0: Welcome to St. Louis In Tune. I'm your host, Arnold Stricker, along with co-host Mark Langston. St. Louis In Tune focuses on issues that impact and connect the greater St. Louis area. Our topics include the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. Welcome to St. Louis In Tune. I'm your host, Arnold Stricker. The 19th Amendment is celebrating its 100th anniversary this year. It was previously passed by Congress, by the House and the Senate in 1919 in May and June, respectively, and was sent out to the states for ratification. The ratification process required 36 states, and that process was completed by the approval by the state of Tennessee on August the 18th of 1920. A hundred years ago, We're going to be celebrating that particular achievement. Katie Moon, who's the exhibits manager of the Missouri History Museum and is behind the Beyond the Ballot exhibit, which opened August 1st and runs through March 1st of 2022, is on our show today. And she's going to talk with us about that particular exhibit. Welcome, Katie, to St. Louis in Tune.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Now, tell us a little bit about the plan for this particular exhibit. You started on this when?
1: Oh wow, uh, it's been several years, uh, probably three years ago, uh, we knew we wanted to do something for the anniversary of, of the suffrage amendment and it actually started out as a, as a smaller exhibit and then, uh, it became a 6,000 square foot exhibit. So it's been a while and a lot, a lot of planning and gathering of information.
0: Now, for those people that just think you guys get this idea and you go into your closets at the history museum and into the basement, and dig out all these artifacts and put some things together, it's not doesn't happen like that.
1: Not at all. And we had a we had a real challenge with this one um, because we knew we wanted to tell the suffrage story, but we didn't want to just tell the suffrage story. And so it was it was interesting to try to come up with. We, you know, we have this idea of, you know, suffrage. So how do you make a 6,000 square foot exhibit out of that story? And so I um, started thinking about, you know, what what have women done in St. Louis? You know, kind of how do we discover that history of women in St. Louis? And so we do look at the suffrage story in St. Louis, but we also tell the story of all these amazing things that St. Louis women were doing before they ever had the vote so before they were ever involved in politics, from day one, women in St. Louis were contributing to St. Louis as a city. And so the first half of the exhibit really takes a look at, at those stories and more contextual information about where women were before they had the vote.
0: And who are some of those women that, that people would see in the first part of the exhibit there?
1: so we highlight 32 specific stories of women wow. some of them people will right some of them people will recognize like madame chateau who many consider the mother of st louis um, or the gerhard sisters who were photographers at the world fair but other people uh, that that many and even and me had not never heard of before I started doing research for this exhibit so people like Emma War who was the first superintendent of the nursing school at City Hospital and she came in, cleaned it up, and created this professional system for nurses. Um, Fanny Sellens, who was a union organizer in St. Louis, she worked at one of the garment factories, and the situation was so bad that she organized uh, the union and was headhunted and went to Pennsylvania and West Virginia and was actually murdered in 1919 because wow. of her union activity. So you've got the whole, you know, an Annie Malone who started her own her own hair care company and was the first African American woman millionaire in the United States. So we we run the gamut of telling stories of of women in St. Louis who are doing incredible things.
0: Now that's really. An unusual thing, and, and it's really an, an important thing because I don't think a lot of St. Louisans will know, like Annie Malone, obviously because of the Annie Malone Children's Home and the parade. Uh, you know, I, I know that you have. You know, there's a name here, Charlotte Rumbold, who I, I'd never heard of, and uh, also Fanny Sellins, like you talked about, uh, also Virginia Minor, who who really had a a role to play in the whole 19th Amendment and the whole suffrage movement here in St. Louis.
1: She really did, and she's one of those people that everyone in America should know her name, but unfortunately they don't. Uh, she got a little bit eclipsed by Susan B. Anthony, um, who she was actually really good friends with. Um, so Virginia was born in Virginia, um, crazy to say, uh, and but she was an abolitionist, and so she and her husband moved to St. Louis before the Civil War. And she volunteered for the Civil War and and did all sorts of things for the Union. And then after the Civil War uh, in 1867, was actually the founder of the first suffrage organization in the entire country. And she and her husband developed a philosophy based on the 14th Amendment that basically said... All women are citizens of the United States, and, as, and every citizen has the right to vote. And so if you add those two, two things together, then women already have the right to vote because they're citizens. And they tried that case out in court, and it went all the way to the Supreme Court. And that start, all started in St. Louis, and she had a national following for that philosophy. Um, unfortunately, the Supreme Court did not agree with her which was a huge blow to the suffrage movement. Um, but that, that all happened in St. Louis.
0: And it made other things happen. It kind of springboarded other, other groups. Uh, there was an Equal Suffrage League of St. Louis, which was established. I know there were several national groups. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned Susan B. Anthony, and then there was uh, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, who was involved in those national groups. But yeah, Vir- Virginia Minor, that, that's a real landmark case at the Supreme Court
1: it really was and people were at that point watching st louis and watching that story because if if the supreme court had decided differently then women would have had the vote in 1875 <laughs> and so when that, when that decision came back, it just destroyed the national suffrage movement. And it wasn't until um, the early 20th century that, that they kind of picked up the pieces and, and started back up again. And that's when the Equal Suffrage League of St. Louis comes in, and they, uh, they organized in 1910 which was really kind of the the modern suffrage movement that you can follow all the way to the the passage of the 19th Amendment.
0: So you talk about these ladies here in St. Louis, and then how does the, I don't wanna say how does the exhibit start as it relates to suffrage, but how do you kind of do that bridge to the suffrage movement, and, and what year do you actually start?
1: so we we really wanted to provide a context of of you know where women in St. Louis were coming from and why they wanted and needed the vote and so St. Louis is a really interesting town because it was founded as a French town and under French and Spanish law women actually had a lot more rights they could own land under their own name they could have their own will they could inherit and earn their own money but then with the Louisiana Purchase and statehood, they lost those rights because they were living under coverture, which is a fancy way of saying that legally they became – their identity was under their husbands, so they didn't have a separate identity Um And so they were fighting against that. Um, But in St. Louis, the other unique thing is that part of the Missouri law in the books is that enslaved people who were illegally enslaved could sue for their freedom. And we have record of, of over 300 of those freedom suits, and over half of them were women. And I believe that that is the very beginnings of the suffrage movement in St. Louis and in the country, because these women were going to court and saying, we're not property, we're human, and we deserve these rights under the law. And so those started in 1805 in St. Louis. Wow. And so I believe we can trace that, that to the beginnings of the suffrage movement and the civil rights movement in this country.
0: Now, as this as the movement moved through kind of the Civil War. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it, things happened. You know, we had the 13th, we had the 14th and 15th Amendment. And there was a little disagreement with the 15th Amendment as it relates to uh, the suffrage movement and many of those organizers. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. So this was this was something I had to really wrap my head around um, because there's (laughs) there are so many organizations and acronyms and, you know, different things and and really trying to figure out what happened at that point. And so you had a group of, of suffragists and this amendment was introduced that gave that gave formerly enslaved persons the right to vote, but only men and um so it re- it it took away the hurdle of um if you had been a slave that didn't that didn't um eliminate you from being able to vote and so you had one group of suffragists saying we're going to support this amendment because these formerly enslaved african american men it's their time and they deserve the vote But then you had another group of suffragists saying, we can't support this amendment because it doesn't include women. It doesn't give women the right to vote. They really wanted it to be all inclusive. And so that split the suffrage movement in the late 1860s, um, and they stayed separated for 20, 30 years And it really created um, some racial biases. And some of the suffragists really said some troubling things about race because they were frustrated. Some of them were, you know, were bigots or were racist. Um, Some of them were really frustrated and were just trying to get their vote for themselves. Um, And so it's a really it's a it's a tricky and complex story.
0: Now, what. What do you think was the springboard that really got things moving, or was it just a, a combination of things, or was the timing? I know World War One, and President Wilson's uh, nomination and the Democratic Convention here in St. Louis ha- had a little play to some of this.
1: Right. So, you know, it's impossible to just say, you know, on this specific date, people said suffrage is okay and we'll, you know, we'll push it through. It really was strategy of these women, um, nothing happened by accident. They really took advantage of what was happening in the entire country and in St. Louis at that time. So we were becoming more and more industrial, more and more women were working and having a voice in the community. And uh, so the suffragists really took advantage of that. Even, even the popularity, popularity of automobiles, they started having these car parades that they never would have had before, you know, to get the word out. And they had kind of learned their lesson through the Civil War of using those horrible, you know, horrible circumstances of war to really push their agenda forward. And they did that uh, very well with World War I. Uh, But before World War I, you had the Golden Lane Parade. And the Golden Lane Parade happened in 1916, And it happened the first day of the Democratic National Convention that was in St. Louis. And at that parade, or at the Democratic National Convention, all the delegates stayed at the Jefferson Hotel, which is still standing today. It's the Jefferson Arms Hotel that I think they're renovating. (laughs) Um, So it's it's around Locust and Chestnut area. And they had to walk to the Coliseum. Um, which was at the other end of Locust. I believe it's about a mile. And uh, so, the wom- so the women had this great idea that instead of them marching, they were going to stand on either side of Locust and stare down the delegates as they walked from the Jefferson Hotel to the Coliseum. And they were wearing white dresses and their votes for women's sashes and holding their yellow umbrellas not saying a word, just staring down these delegates as they walked down the street because they wanted them to add suffrage to the presidential platform for that year.
0: And it seemed like there was also uh, a lot of pressure on President Wilson to you know, adopt this. And uh, I, I was reading in 1918 at the midterm elections, uh, he was, I guess, worried about that his party was not going to— uh, Get elected, or there were going to be people turned over, and he was a lot more sympathetic to promoting uh, the amendment that
1: was coming forth. I believe he really was. Um, you know, it's all a power play, and when you think about the fact that these women had to convince men to share share power with them, uh, you know how how in the world do you make that happen? Uh, and yet somehow they did. And uh, and so it just it took a lot of maneuvering and a lot of strategy. And I think now we think about it as being this inevitable, you know, well, of course, women got the vote. But back then, you know, they were in the 50th year of fighting for it and still didn't know if it was actually going to happen. And so, you know, uh, fortunately, Wilson did the right thing and, and passed the amendment.
0: You know, which is the beauty of what you all do at the Missouri History Mu- History Museum and provide these kinds of exhibits to really help educate people. And the assumption is, well, why should, shouldn't women be able to vote? But that wasn't always the case, just like you said. Now, walk us through uh, what people are going to see. I know that uh, many times you, your exhibits are always uh, very uh, interactive, and uh, we'll see some uh, things that you have pulled out of the closet in the basement of the history museum uh, that have been <laughs> that have been uh, given to the uh, the uh, history museum. But what what will people visually see? I, I know we went through the uh, St. Louis uh, ladies, and when they hit the hit the suffragette movement area, what are they what are they going to be looking at?
1: right, so we we do have those kind of two major sections, um so the you know the highlights of those thirty two women, and also in that section we have some um what I call breakout sections that are, uh, more general information about, about women. So women in medicine, uh, women in work, women in charitable organizations. And so we have clothes that we have included there, um, you know, from our fantastic textile collection, we also have a non-tabbit from the Daughters of Charity, um, that we've borrowed from them, um, so lots of great objects there, and then the second half is devoted to the to the suffrage movement, and uh, more textiles there um, because we love them so much, and it's a good reminder that not only did women do all of these things, but they did them while wearing corsets and petticoats and all sorts of clothes. Um, so those are some of the great objects in there. We also have a um, a banner. From 1914, that that uh, that's bright yellow that the women would have carried in parades or hung off the side of a car. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's it's amazing, and we also have this great. Um, it, it's I like to call it a touchable PowerPoint, um, but it's it's a voiceless speech that women could hold up in front of an audience and just slip these sheets back to tell why women needed the right to vote because these women were learning how to speak in public and how to be public figures. Um, and so that's another, um, amazing object. Um, and we do have a vote for women sash that was worn uh, in the golden lane parade. wow So yeah, so lots of, lots of really, uh, really cool stuff to look at and examine that, that, Uh, you know, kind of highlights the story of suffrage in St. Louis.
0: Now, Katie, what were some surprises or discoveries uh, in in putting this exhibit together that you were like, wow, you know, I didn't know that, or this was um, something very interesting that you thought, man, people don't have no clue about this?
1: I think just the suffrage story in general, and how active and how strategic these women were. And, uh, you know, in 1914, Uh, suffrage was on the popular ballot in Missouri and they were convinced that they were going to win that year because it was, it was everybody, you know, all the voters in in Missouri could vote on suffrage. And so they had a whole marketing plan and a publicity plan and it failed and they switched strategies, Hmm. um, and so it was, really, it was really interesting to see how they, they tried all these different ways um, to do that. Um, the, other, the other interesting part is that uh, for the Golden Lane Parade, they actually got a donkey <laughs> to huh. be their mascot. <laughs>
0: Makes sense, the Democratic Convention. <laughs>
1: right, it, and they called him Demi for Democratic Plank cause that was what they wanted added to the, to the platform. Um, so it was all these upper class, you know, kind of central West end women and they put an ad in the paper for a donkey and a farmer gave them the donkey. And I don't think any of them really knew anything about how that worked (laughs) (laughs) and it ended horribly. Uh The donkey did not cooperate. (laughs) So he was a short-lived mascot, uh, but that was just one of those stories that that you know just like these were these were real women and you know doing their best to to get this amendment passed.
0: You know that's that's tremendous to hear those kinds of stories. Those are the little tidbits that really make the kinds of exhibits that you put on very very exciting knowing those kind of little things and knowing about that that happened here in st louis that makes it even more special now the exhibit opened august 1st goes march 1st 2022 how can people go to see this because they have to make an appointment what should they do
1: yes so everything is still absolutely free i like to remind people of that so um and we are just having people register online at mohistory.org to get into the museum building. And there's a tent at our south entrance where they'll come and check in. And, and then once they're in the building, they can go to any of our exhibits. So it's our, it's a way to just make sure that everybody's wearing a mask. Um, over the age of nine, we're requiring masks and, um, that we can, you know, contact Trace if we need to, if, if anything happens here. So our whole goal is to make sure that that people feel safe and are safe when they're in the museum. Um, we are limiting the number of people um, that are allowed in at one time, and so um, so it's a it's an incredibly safe environment and a great time to come see the exhibit because it's not packed.
0: <laughs> now, is is there a certain amount of time you allocate to get through? I know my wife and I we like to read everything, so uh, or is it? Is the appointment just at a certain time and you have some freedom to, to roam on that particular exhibit?
1: You Yes, you have as 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 long as you're in, you have as much time as you need. Um, you know, if you're just, uh, you want to look at the pictures and, you know, breeze through, I would say, a half an hour. If you're a reader, it probably will take you two hours. And at the end, you'll say, I need to come back because there's more that I missed. <laughs> wow. So, that's, yeah. That's great. Yeah.
0: We've been talking to Katie Moon, exhibits manager of the Missouri History Museum. She's been talking about the latest exhibit, Beyond the Ballot, which will take place there until March the 1st of 2022. You need to make an appointment at mohistory.org. And Katie, we really appreciate you coming on St. Louis in Tune today to talk about this important exhibit.
1: Thank you so much. It's been fun.
0: You take care. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please take time to like and share this and other episodes of St. Louis in Tune that can be found on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. St. Louis in Tune is produced in cooperation with KWRH, 92.9 FM, and Motif Media Group. Thank you for listening. I'm Arnold Strickland.